with us. We're so thankful that you're here, glad that we can again come together, not only to see each other, though that's wonderful, uh, but to recognize that we are in the presence of Almighty God, worshiping Him this morning, and we are thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 4. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 will be there in just a few minutes. That starts on page 985 in your pew Bible. Colossians chapter 4. Page 985 in your pew Bible. We have a lot of things going on. Some of it's already been mentioned. There's uh, much more in the bulletin. Hope that you'll be uh, an active part of any and as much as you can. Uh, One thing that I wanted to remind the men of is we have uh, Wings and Wisdom again tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So if you want to come and be a part of that, we'll meet in the Fellowship Hall for Wings and Wisdom where we will uh, continue our study of the book of uh, Proverbs. Uh, Brian Knowles will be bringing our devotional tomorrow night. And uh, if you want to bring some wings, uh, that would be great. We would certainly love and appreciate uh, you being there and uh, being a part of that. uh, ladies, you've got Ladies Day coming up, Men's Day coming up, we've got a singing weekend coming up, just all kinds of things going on. It's good to be a part of Jefferson Avenue, a part of this family that uh, gets together uh, often and serves the Lord. Uh, if you haven't noticed, over the last three weeks, we've uh, kind of been walking through the book of Colossians, thinking about and looking at the, the Christ of the church, about Jesus, about who he is and who we serve. And, and you'll remember in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10 that we are challenged and commanded to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then in the rest of chapter 1, it tells us just how big of a deal that is. Uh, walk in a manner worthy of the creator and sustainer of all the world. Walk in a manner worthy of the one who resurrected from the dead, unlike any resurrection ever before and ever since. Uh, he, he came back to life and he never died again. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the one who gives us that hope of a future home in heaven. And we are thankful for that. In Colossians chapter 2, it tells us that if we have been raised up with Christ, then we need to walk with Christ. We need to really make a difference in our life. And then in Colossians chapter 3, it says, if you've been raised up with Christ, uh, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And Colossians 3 is really a how-to. Okay, I, I want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, but that's a big deal. How do I do it? And Colossians chapter 3 tells us how to do it. It was read to us earlier in verses 12 through 15 about uh, this, this new man and the difference between the, the old man and the worldly ways versus this new man and the godly ways that we need to live. And then in the rest of it, it really got, it really got in our business. And as a matter of fact, uh, it talk, started talking about your marriages. Paul, God, started talking about your marriages. He says, wives, you need to obey your husbands. He says, husbands, you need to, to love your wives. It started talking about your children and your parents. Children need to obey your, uh, your parents. And, and fathers, you don't need to exasperate and, and, and make your children lose heart or, or be crushed in their spirit. And then it even talked about uh, the realities of the world of the first century in Colossae. He talked about not just servants. In your version, if it says in uh, Colossians chapter 3, servants, obey your masters, that's, that's, a, that's a PC way of saying it. It's a politically correct way of saying it. And it's not inherently wrong. But the reality is it said, Slaves, obey your masters in everything, for this is right. Slaves, obey your master. And, and it wasn't, this is not uh, approving of slavery in any way. But this is God, through Paul, speaking into the reality of life that slaves existed in this land. Slaves existed in Colossae. And as a slave, even as a bad of a situation that was, you needed to do the right thing in the Lord. He really got into our business towards the end of Colossians chapter 3. And we see today what we're going to think about, as Bobby already mentioned, is kind of answering these two questions as we get into uh, Colossians. And then we're going to go elsewhere here in just a few minutes to really show us just how, how deep God is trying to get into our lives. Uh, the, the title of the lesson this morning is, is Nitty Gritty Faith. Uh, we're really getting down to into some of the, the small details uh, the, the nitty-gritty of what's really going on in our lives 
and in our circumstances. And here's the question that I want us to answer this morning. How will you, not somebody else, not the person sitting beside you, but Christian especially, how will you treat someone that the world tells you you don't owe them a thing? And maybe even a more difficult question, how will you treat someone that has wronged you, that has done something negative against you? And you see, I want us to understand that the Colossians does a great job of helping us understand this is not just a church exercise. This is just not something that's good for us to come together and to, to talk about. Have you ever been in one of those meetings where you talk about a lot of great things, but you know because you've been in the meeting before, but that as soon as you leave that room, nothing's going to happen and nothing's going to change? Have you been in a meeting like that where, where everybody's got some great ideas and, and, and you've got some fantastic thoughts and you say, yeah, that, everybody agrees. That would be a great thing to do. But you know, even in the midst of talking about it, but it's not going to happen. Okay, what Paul is telling to the Colossians in chapter three and into chapter four and into the other book that we're going to go to in a few minutes is, hey, God's serious about this stuff. God expects you to live a different kind of life. God expects you to follow him every day of your life, no matter what circumstances you're in. If they're great circumstances, follow the Lord. If they're terrible circumstances, follow the Lord. Wherever you're at, follow the Lord. That's what God expects us to do. It's not just on a Sunday where we get together and we sing beautiful songs and, and our voices lift up and praise the Lord and we pray prayers and we observe the Lord's Supper and we give back and we, we have this whole worship experience. It's not just about a, a church exercise. No, Christian, no church. God wants us to get out into the world, into the nitty-gritty, into the details of our lives and to follow Him. You see, we can't separate. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, it talks about this, this new man. That we put our old self to death, our old man to death, and we've become this new creature. And there's these, these different actions and attitudes and thoughts and ways that we're supposed to live. But the reality is, and this is where it hits home with you and with me, I can't separate this new man from the circumstances of life that he or she is in. I can't separate the fact that, that yes, I'm, I'm a Christian now, but I still have a spouse. Yes, I'm a Christian now, but I still have parents. Yes, I'm a Christian now, but, but I still have children. Yes, I'm a Christian now, and, and that old sinful self is, is done away with, and I'm getting rid of all these things. But the reality is I've still got to go to work every day and deal with those people. Don't you know who those people are? Yes, I, I've got to, I'm a Christian now, but I've got to drive down the road and deal with those crazy drivers. Yes, I'm a Christian now, but I've got to go and to this place and to that place and deal with all of these people. I'm a Christian, but I've still got to live in this world. And God says through Paul, yes, yes, you do, Christian. There's a difference that needs to be made in your life. So let's look at Philippians, excuse me, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1. Now at the end of chapter 3, it said that slaves were to obey their masters, not just with eye service, but as though they were serving the Lord. And, And you would think... We try and put ourselves in the, in the situation of those in Colossae. There are slaves in Colossae and there are masters in Colossae. Do you think the masters liked when Paul, God through Paul says, hey, slaves, obey your masters. The masters were probably like, yeah, I like that verse. Okay, that's their life verse. Okay, uh, that's the one that they write down and that uh, they get a tattoo of perhaps. Not really. Um, but that's, that's, that, that's what they're all about. They really like that one. But then we get to chapter 4 and verse 1 and it says, masters. Show to your slaves what is right and fair, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Okay, well that's, I'm not sure if I like that one. 
You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty rich guy in Colossae, and I, I own some servants, and, and y'all call them servants, but in reality, they're my slaves because without me, they don't have anything, and they have to do whatever I tell them to do. They're, they're my slaves, and, and now you're saying I have, to, I have to be good to them? All these things that we, we read about earlier, I have to be good to them? And I imagine, remember, this is a letter, right? And so probably the, the church gathers together, and someone, either either uh, Tychicus, who, who brings the letter, reads it to them, or maybe one of the, the leading people at the church in Colossae is reading it to them. And probably when it got down to, to wives, obey your husbands, and husbands, love your wives, and children, and parents, and, and all of these things, they, they probably had to go back to a few times, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and remind them, hey, I know this is hard, wives. I know it's hard to obey those stubborn husbands that don't love you the right way. Husbands, I, I know it's hard to, to not be embittered against your wives who are embittered against you children i know it's hard parents i know that it's hard but let's go back and read again colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15 why are we doing this why are we living a different kind of life notice what he says so as the elect of god you are holy and beloved therefore put on a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience Bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Wives, obey your husbands. But don't you know who my husband is? Husbands, don't be embittered against your wife. But don't you know who my wife is? Children and parents and slaves. But don't you know? Masters, be good to your slaves. Why? Why? Why would I do that? I own them. I can do whatever I want to with them. Why, why would I treat them well when I can just give them what I want to do and what's convenient for me? Because you are treating them differently. Because you put off that old self with all of its old sinful ways and put on the new self. And then you go back to Colossians chapter 4. And let's read verses 7 through 9 as Paul is wrapping up his letter. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. He's wrapping up his letter to the church in Colossae. And let's notice what he says. Colossians 4, 7 through 9. Uh, Tychicus, uh, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord, will make known to you all my affairs. So this is the, uh, the salutation. This is him saying goodbye, okay, and, and wrapping up his letter, okay. And he sent Tychicus, he sent this letter uh, through this man. And he says, hey, he's going to let you about, know about everything uh, that's going on. He even says in verse 8, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose. I'm sending him to you because he knows what's going on with me, and I know you want to know what's going on with me, so I'm sending him to you for that very reason. That you may know about all about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Now to you and me, we read that verse, it doesn't mean much. Okay? To you and me, we read that verse and we say, okay, well, he sent these two guys back. That's great. You know, Tychicus, he's, he's going to come and he's going to let them know about everything that's going on. And it even says uh, that he sent another man, uh, Onesimus, in verse number 9, uh, our faithful and beloved brother. And then he says, who is one of you? And if you were in the church in Colossae, you wouldn't have heard the next sentence. Because you would have recognized that name. Hey, isn't Onesimus? Don't, don't we know that guy? And then he says, who is one of you? Yeah, we know that guy. That that's Philemon's slave who ran away. You mean Onesimus is coming back and Paul is calling him a, a beloved brother? Man, I can't... That, and, and also recognize that this isn't, this isn't a letter that gets there before Onesimus gets there, right? Onesimus is in the crowd 
when this letter is being read. And in that moment, probably the church in Colossae is divided. There's some people that are, that are happy that Onesimus has come back. And there's some people that are just, they're just angry. On, Onesimus is Philemon's slave. A, a slave that, that ran away and now he dares to come back. How, in the, what, how am I supposed to love this guy? And, and Paul, you're just talking about him like he's just any other guy. Like I'm meeting him and he's a Christian and, and you expect me to, to treat him in these, this way? And, and probably in that instant, as soon as that was read to them, there's division. Some are happy and some are excited to see Onesimus who they haven't seen in a long time. And some are probably pretty angry. What do you mean we're supposed to love this guy and care about this guy the way that you're talking about uh, Tychicus and all these other servants? So turn in your Bibles uh, to Philemon. The book of Philemon, let's look at and consider what is the lesson that we need to learn when we really get down to it about this nitty-gritty faith. And again, remember, Colossians is about the Christ of the church. It starts out with about you need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay, well, who is this Lord? Well, he's creator, he's sustainer, firstborn from the dead, the one who transfers you out of darkness and into his light, all of these amazing things. Hey, and if you have been raised with him, you need to walk after him. If you've been raised with him, then you need to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And all of that, church, sounds good, doesn't it? All of that sounds like a sermon. Hey, you need to be better people. Hey, you need to follow the Lord. Hey, you need to be more like Jesus. That all sounds like a pretty good sermon. And we're all saying amen, right? There we go. Thank you. All right, we're all saying amen. That sounds like good stuff to us, right? But then he says, hey, and I know about a situation at Colossae that's going to be tough for you to actually act like Jesus. What's he expecting to do? Well, it's a tough situation, so it doesn't really matter. That's a tough situation, so that doesn't really apply to my life. I don't really have to act like Jesus because that's difficult. I have a personal relationship with this person who's been a pain in my life, so I don't have to apply that. No, he expects him to actually live like Jesus, actually care about and live like Jesus. So we turn over to Philemon, and this... so. The book of Colossians is is a letter to the entire church at Colossae. The book of Philemon is a very short letter to Philemon, an individual at the church in Colossae. And we find out that Philemon is the master of Onesimus who Paul has sent back. Let's look at Philemon chapter 1. That's on page 1000 in your pew Bibles. Uh, Philemon chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. Now, we'll, we'll remind ourselves... Paul's never met Philemon. Paul's never been to Colossae. He doesn't know these people the way that he knows like the Ephesians and many of these other people. Uh, but but he's, he's sending them and writing to them because he knows some things about them and he's wanting to address them. Look at verse number 7. Paul's still talking about Philemon. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. Now this is not the whole church. He's not talking about the church at, at, at Colossae. He says, he says, Philemon, I have come... To have much joy and comfort in your love because of the heart, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. He's never met Philemon. He's never talked to Philemon. Philemon didn't come and visit him when he was in prison. These two men have never met. How in the world does Paul, how in the world has Paul been comforted and encouraged by Philemon? Who told him about it? Well, probably Epaphras, who's the first Christian who brings Christianity uh, to Colossae. But who else? Probably Onesimus, probably a slave 
who ran away because he wanted to escape slavery, but probably retro, in, in retrospect, he looked back and said, you know, Philemon was a pretty good guy. He treated me pretty well. He wasn't really that bad. The reason that, that Paul knows much about Philemon is because of his runaway slave who wronged him, who did something bad to him by the world's standards. Look at verses 10 through 16 of Philemon. Philemon 10 through 16. Paul says to Onesimus, I plead with you for my child, Onesimus, of whom I became a father in my chains, who formerly was useless to you, but now he's useful to both me and to you. I have sent him back to you in person. That is my very heart. Notice how much he loves and cares about Onesimus, who I intended to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my change for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but voluntarily. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. No longer, and here's how we know the story, no longer, verse 16, as a slave... But more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So we have this situation where, where Paul is, is pleading with on behalf of Onesimus and saying, Philemon, and, and I, I just put two and two together. Uh, I don't know which letter was read first. I don't know if Tychicus came and brought Philemon his letter first or if, if Tychicus came and, and met with the, the church at Colossae and, and they read the whole letter and then, oh, by the way, Philemon, I've also got this letter for you that you probably need to read. But all of it is in the context of uh, Philippians or Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Put on a heart of compassion and love and gentleness and forgiveness and then Philemon is, is you know, probably, maybe Onesimus is kind of hiding out in the crowd, not wanting to be seen by Philemon for a little bit. Or, or maybe Philemon saw him as soon as he got to, to wherever they were meeting together. And can you imagine just what, what's going through your mind if this person that, who has wronged you shows up at this place where you're supposed to all be of the same mind and of the same spirit? You probably got some, some contention there. And now... Paul is, is begging, he's pleading on behalf of Onesimus and saying, hey, I need you to do what we just told the whole church to do, to forgive anyone who has wronged you in any way, just as the Lord Jesus has forgiven you, so also you should forgive. In essence, he wants him simply to put it into practice. And notice verses 17 and 18. If, you, if then you, Philemon, uh, regard me as a partner, accept him as you would accept me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Again, this, this is a, a, a significant um, request that he's making here because these two men have, have never met before. But, but Philemon knows who Paul is. Most Christians in the first century knew who Paul was. Uh, and, and they knew what he was experiencing and, and probably had just read some of the details and, and Tychicus is there and, and probably given them even more details about all the things that Paul is suffering for the cause of Christ. And he says again in verse 17, if you regard me as a partner, and this partner here is, is this idea of Christian fellowship. If you regard me as a true brother in Christ, then on behalf of me, please accept him. I know he's wronged you. I know he, he owes you. I know he's done some bad things to you. I, I know the, the relationship that you have is, is not what it should be. But will you charge that to my account? Now, what, what does that mean for Paul? Why is that significant for Paul? Remember, Paul used to be Saul, right? 
And remember, Saul became a Christian on the road to Damascus and, and, and later on in Damascus. And, and, and then uh, he, he's away serving and, and serving the Lord for a while. But then he comes back to Jerusalem. And what happens when Saul comes to Jerusalem? None of the Christians want to have anything to do with him, right? Until one man, the son of encouragement, Barnabas, says, Saul, come with me. I'm going to take you with me. And, and, and he, Barnabas goes to Peter, James. John, Matthew, and the rest of the apostles and says, hey, guys, I know we, the only thing we know about this, this Saul guy is that he's, he's a troublemaker, but, but I've gotten to know him a little bit, and I trust him. I think he's changed. He's a follower of Jesus just like we are. And even if you don't trust him, will you trust me? Will you trust me to accept him into our family? That's what Paul's doing here for Onesimus. He's saying, Philemon, I know that, that you, don't, you don't, according to the world standard, you don't owe him anything. As a matter of fact, he owes you something. But you know me. You know about me. Will you, on behalf of, of me, accept him into your family? Christians, how will you treat those that the world tells you you don't owe them anything? Christians, how will you treat people that have wronged you? God, through Paul, says that we need to love them, that we need to care about them, that we need to forgive them. You see, we can follow the world or we can follow the way. And those are the only two options that we've got. We can follow the wisdom and the, the way that the world lives. And we can, we can hold grudges and we can be angry with folks and we can uh, say that they, they owe us things and, and hold it against them and, and all of these things that will get in the way of us being able to, to love and care about and share the gospel with people or we can follow Jesus. And just like Colossians 3 told us that we can forgive just as Jesus forgave us. That's the question for us today. But you see, that's, that's not comfortable. That's not, a, that's not a church exercise. You know, the reality is if, if we're going to follow the example of, of Paul, if we're going to follow the example of Philemon, if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, that means that today when you leave this place, and you have something against someone, you've got to work on and figure out how am I going to forgive that person? How am I going to let our relationship be okay? How am I going to move forward in that? Turn back to Colossians chapter 1. Let's read three verses and the lesson will be yours. Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 and verses 13 and 14. He says there after encouraging them to continue to grow and to uh, get the knowledge that they need, he says in verse 10, do these things so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of God. Again, God is not interested in you following him on Sunday morning if you're not going to follow him on Monday morning. God is not interested in you coming to Wednesday night Bible class if you're not going to study your Bible on Friday night. God is not interested in just having you part of the time as his follower. God is worthy of you following him all the time. In every way. In every respect. And in every part of your life. Why? Verse number 13. Because he rescued us from the authority of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. God saved you from death so that you would live for him today. Uh, We've all got something, don't we? We've all got somebody. We all have some circumstance where it's hard for us to follow Jesus then and there. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. I know people have wronged us or things have not gone our way or any number of other things that we would say, well, this is blocking me from really being who God wants me to be. Let me challenge you to say, it doesn't matter. God still wants you to follow him. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, God wants you to follow him. Even when your enemies surround you, God wants you to follow him. And in reality, we'd be foolish not to follow him in those places. This morning, what's it for you? What is it in your life? What area of your life do you not follow Jesus? What area of your life are you not thoughtful about following Jesus? What area of your life do you struggle to do what Jesus would have you to do? If you've got sin in that area of your life, then you need to repent of that sin if you're a Christian. Uh, Scripture tells us that if we will confess our sins to the Lord, that he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of all of those sins. So if you've got sin this morning in some area or multiple areas of your life, repent of that sin. And that doesn't just mean saying, I'm sorry. That means changing, putting that old self to death and putting on the new self, the Christian, the follower of Jesus who does not do it perfectly, but who does it faithfully. So this morning... Do that if you need to, and, and if you want to let us know about that, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. You, you don't have to give details. You don't have to tell us that you struggle with this or with that or with the other. But would you be brave enough to say, hey, I struggle? The reality is, if I said, hey, do you struggle, raise your hand. If we're honest, we'd all raise our hands. But if you need some help, if you feel like you need some prayer, if you feel like you want us to know that you're struggling so that we can surround you and support you, in a few moments we're going to have a song. We'll stand and sing a song. And if you want to come down here and let us know that again, you don't have to give us any details. But if you want us to pray for you specifically, we'd love to do that. Not only today, but every day. And if you're not a Christian this morning, uh, then you have not been transferred out of the authority of darkness, like Colossians said. You're still in that darkness. Just like the whole world is in that darkness. But if you want to know, come to know Christ and grow in his knowledge and begin to, to walk after him and follow after him in a, in a worthy manner, we can make that happen this morning. Scripture teaches us that if you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected son of God, you're willing to name him as your Lord and, and live like he's in charge of your life. You are a slave to him and slaves obey their master in everything. If you want to do that, then we can do that this morning. And one of the things that Jesus says, if you're going to follow after him, you've got to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Your sins are washed away. You raise up. That old person is done and dead and all of your past mistakes and the things that you still struggle with, God forgives you. And when you raise up out of that water, in God's eyes, you're a totally new person. And yeah, you've still got struggles and circumstances and situations. But in God's eyes, you're a totally new person who can change and be completely different. If you believe Jesus is the resurrected Son of God, if you'll name Him as your Lord, if you'll repent to Him and be baptized into Him this morning, you can be on the road, on the path, following Jesus to eternity. If you're interested in that or if you're a brother or sister this morning, know that we love you, we want to help you, and if we can do that in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.